amen on that. I think she sung that some here. And uh, that is an awful good song. All right, Revelations chapter number 2 this morning. Uh, Revelations chapter number 2, page 1332, if you have a Schofield Bible. Uh, Revelations, the last book in your Bible, and uh, the second chapter this morning. And uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand, we will uh, read a few verses here this morning and uh, try to preach for a little while. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, and hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove the candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Thank you. You may be seated. Our fathers, we come this morning. Lord, we come and ask, uh, Lord, your blessings today as we try to preach from the verses that have been read. And uh, Lord, we ask today as you are the search of hearts and the Word of God is the search of hearts, that Lord, that you would search our hearts today and help us to find uh, that portion of the Word of God that might be directed to us. And not just, Lord, to be able to find it, but to be able to hear it, to be able to receive it, to be able to act upon it today, that we might be helped and that Christ might be glorified. Lord, thank you for Brother John that was saved and is going to be following you in believers' baptism today. Thank you for all his friends and family and those that loved him enough to come and want to be a part, uh, Lord, of what's going on today. Uh, Lord, we're praying, uh, Lord, that you might give us other souls even before the month of February ends out. And uh, Lord, we ask you to speak to hearts today. Help me today, Lord. Give me liberty to preach and bring to my remembrance the things that you've already said to me. And then, Lord, I pray you'll, uh, Lord, season the message out of heaven today with some things I haven't even thought of yet. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise today and thank you for the forgiveness of sin, the salvation of the soul, and the second coming of Jesus that is hoped for. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Spring and fall has always been, throughout the history of the church, been known as the time for revivals. And uh, we know that over the last few years, especially during 2020 and the COVID years, that a lot of churches have uh, quit trying to have any type of a revival effort. Uh, and uh, we think that revivals are necessary, needed, and we certainly believe in them. Uh, and I think we must all agree, I think everybody agree, no matter what church you attend or where you come from, if you're saved and know the Lord, I think you must agree and would all agree that we all need revival. Amen. The only disagreement would be in what kind we need. Uh, some think we need one kind, some think we need another kind, and well, the church at Ephesus didn't have to worry about that. 
uh, because the Lord told them what kind they needed right here in these verses that we've read today. And uh, we can take stock in it because the one that told them was the one that was the buyer of the church. The Bible said in Acts 20, 28, the Bible said uh, that he had purchased the church with his own blood. So the church belongs to the Lord. He ought to know what it needs, I'd say, wouldn't you? And he is the builder of the church. Jesus said, Matthew 16 and verse 18, he said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So not only the buyer of the church, but the builder of the church. Uh, The Lord knows how to build His church. He's been doing that for 2,000 years. Not only is He a buyer and a builder of the church, but He is also the bridegroom of the church. The Bible said in John 3.29 that he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. And so we're talking about what the Lord thinks the church at Ephesus needed. What kind of a revival that He thought that they needed. And I want to look at that today for a few minutes if the Lord will help me. Now first of all in verse 5, He said, remember therefore. Uh, The Lord thought the church at Ephesus needed a revival, a remembering revival. Amen. Amen. To remember some things. I I think that would be for good for all of us to remember some things. Uh, It's always good to forget some things. Uh, uh, But there are some things we need to always remember. Amen. Amen. And I know as a church body, like the human body, as it gets older, there's some things that happen to the church body just like there does the human body. You say, what do you mean? Well, the vision goes and the hearing goes and uh, the memory goes as you get older. I'm sure you're aware of that. If you ain't, you will be as you get older. Uh, But the Lord, in every one of these letters, the Lord says... uh, uh, to the church here at Ephesus all the way down to the last letter in Laodicea, the Lord said, He that hath an ear, let him hear. And so always uh, uh, as we get older, we see there is a hearing problem. Amen. I'm reminded of the older man that, uh, you know, up in his 80s and him and his wife went out on a spring day and they're sitting on the porch and he was sitting beside her and they were sitting in the swing and they were swinging uh, and uh, he had a, a, a moment there, you know, and he got to thinking and he looked over at her and he said, Honey, uh, he said, I love you. Uh, and she said, Huh? He said, He said, Honey, said, I love you. Uh, and she said, Do what? He said, I love you. She said, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> Sometimes our, our hearing goes as we get older. We don't hear like we used to hear. Amen. Uh, uh, We don't see like we need to see. Uh, uh, Our vision's not as good as it once was. Amen. Uh, uh, As we get older. I just had an eye test the other day and uh, used to I could look at that little chart and you know Z, D, E, F, H. I could read it all the way to the bottom line. Used to not that long ago. Uh, but I was trying to read that bottom line. I couldn't make it out, so I moved up to the top line. I couldn't make it out, so I moved up to the third line, and I 
think I got all of them right. Uh, uh, but the obvious thing is uh, uh, that my eyes, my vision is not what it ought to be. Amen. Uh, the Bible said where there is no vision, people perish. Uh, uh, that's why they take a driver's license away from them when we get older. Amen. Uh, uh, no vision, people perish. Uh, uh, I remember my father, he was on up in the 80s, uh, and, uh, and he liked to drive all over town all day long, sometimes go to Tompkins Field three times in one day for nothing. Uh, he just liked to get out and drive, you know. I know it gets tiresome sitting in them little uh, two-room apartments, uh, uh, but Daddy's vision was going, uh, and at that time, Corey was working for, uh, for the uh, electric plank board, and he was up on a in one of them buckets and he said somebody said hey said somebody's running over all our orange combs and said he looked down there and daddy was coming down through there just mowing them all down one right after the other and never did even know that he had even hit one of them amen uh, so where there's no vision, people perish. Uh, uh, so the reason uh, uh, they take a driver's license away because we can't see what we're doing, people will perish. Amen. Uh, uh, that's why they do that. And then, of course, our memory goes as we get older. We, uh, we have uh, trouble remembering like we once remembered. Now, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have dementia, I don't think. Uh, and uh, so when I tell this story, uh, when I tell this story, although Caleb may think I do, because I called him on Thursday and said, you need to schedule Sheila to sing. And he's standing right here by me, and I said, who's singing today? And uh, he, uh, he may think I have it, but, uh, but I don't have dementia. And, uh, and I, know, I know you're going to say, well, you told this story the other day. I, I know, I realize that, but it just fits in good here uh, with what I'm trying to illustrate this morning. But the other day I went to Keys Cleaners, which I go every week, take a load of clothes, and I had an arm full, and I took them in there, and I laid them on the counter, and, and Whitley's mother, uh, Jacob's wife's mother, was working there, and, and uh, I think a lot of her, and we went to church together, and I laid them down there, and we got to talking for a minute, and I said, uh, well, I'll see you, and I scooped them all up and started out the door. And she said, don't you think you need to leave them? I, and I said, oh, and I, I took them back and I laid them down on the counter and we got talking a little bit more and I started out the door and she said, aren't you going to take all these we've already done? I, I said, are you busy? Can you take me home? <laughs> I mean, as, as we get older, our memory goes. Now, that's all in the physical realm, uh, uh, but in the, in the uh, spiritual realm, uh, uh, our hearing also goes if we're not careful. That's why the Lord keeps saying, He that hath an ear, let him hear. Uh, uh, that's why the Lord said, Be more ready to listen than you are to speak uh, uh, when you go to the house of God. And so we need to listen. We need to hear. Uh, we need to have a vision because where there's no vision, uh, uh, the people perish. Uh, uh, we go door knocking, you know, throughout the year. And uh, we have a, a family here today and we're glad they're here. Uh, uh, but they are a uh, product of our door knocking. They told me this morning that uh, sometime back we went, we knocked on their doors and uh, today they come, amen. Uh, uh, well, the reason we go out door knocking, do things, passing out tracts is because we want to have a vision uh, uh, for people to get saved and people to get in church and people, uh, you know, to know more about the Lord. Uh, 
And uh, then we need to remember some things spiritually. Of course, you want you don't want to never forget when God saved you. I don't know how you ever could unless something mentally happened to your brain. I, and I know a lot of people's had something mentally happen to their brain, but they still remember when they got saved. I, uh, so that is a uh, you know that's a life changing moment if you really got saved. Amen. I, and uh, so you want to remember that and you will remember that all the rest of your life you'll remember the time and the day uh, the place if you will that God saved you uh, it was life changing amen uh, uh, but we don't, don't want to always uh, uh, just remember when we got saved we need to remember a lot of things in our Christian life uh, when our children got saved amen uh, uh, maybe when a husband got saved or a wife got saved or I don't know what at all it might be, but God tells the church at Ephesus here, uh, He said you need to remember. Uh, uh, well, I'd say He wanted them to remember when the thing started, don't you? Uh, uh, Paul was the founder of the church, and in Acts 19 and verse 1, it said Paul passed through to Ephesus, uh, uh, and he stayed there for two years. Uh, and the result of that was a church got planted, a church got started. Now used to, if you was going to start a church, uh, uh, you'd throw up a tent, tent in a city and you'd meet under that tent. You'd have maybe a month of services. Uh, uh, people would get saved and you'd take those people that got saved, those unchurched people that attended and hopefully at the end of the thing you'd have 15 or 20 or 30 people uh, and then you'd go out uh, and you'd start a church. That's the way they used to do it. That's kind of the way Paul was doing it here. They went in for two years. Uh, uh, they reasoned about the scriptures and they preached the word of God uh, and the result of that was a church uh, was started there in Ephesus. Uh, uh, now the way they start churches now uh, is you get somebody in the congregation gets mad at the preacher and gets mad at the people uh, and they split the church down the middle and then they go down the road about 10 mile and they stick up a sign that says New Beginnings Bethel Baptist Church. Amen. Uh, uh, that's the way it's done now. Uh, uh, God ain't never blessed a mess like that and God ain't going to bless a mess like that unless you go back and make it right with the church that you left from. Amen. Uh, uh, but you see, uh, God wanted them to remember uh, uh, when that thing started. Amen. I remember when this started up on the public square. Uh, I, I remember that old building with that high ceiling. I remember the mildew that burned your nose when you went in. Uh, I remember all them months without a piano player or a song leader. Uh, I, I remember a handful of people. I remember people getting saved. Uh, I mean, I remember when this one started. Uh, and God don't never want us to forget where we started at. Amen. Uh, uh, why? Because if you don't remember where you started at, you can't realize where God's brought you from. Amen. So, uh, so they needed to remember why they started. And I think that Ephesus needed a revival to remember some things they had uh, forgotten because of other things that had come into their mind. And then the Bible said here that he said, I know thy works. Uh, I, I think they need to realize uh, who the sender of this letter was. Uh, uh, the person that sent this letter, uh, uh, it wasn't John, it was the Lord. Uh, John was just the holy man of God that was moved by the Holy Ghost uh, uh, to write the letter. 
And I think that the church at Ephesus need remember who the sender of this letter was and the sender was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, the sender was none other than the one that walked uh, uh, in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks uh, uh, and had, had the churches in his hand. Uh, uh, the sender was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, but notice here in verse 2, the Lord said, I know thy works. Now if anybody ought to know that we need a revival, it's the Lord, amen. Uh, uh, we may not know, but the Lord knows. Uh, uh, and the Bible said, he said, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. Uh, uh, that's the Lord's commendation. The Lord always, uh, the Lord always, and this is a good practice in your life as a person or as a Christian, uh, uh, this is a good uh, practice. You see, before the Lord lowered the boom and told them uh, uh, what was wrong with them, the Lord commended everything good about them he could say. Uh, I found out in counseling dealing with people over 43 years that if I can first start out and tell them how much I appreciated them and what they've done or what they've had, that kind of breaks ice to get into the other, amen. Now you can't always do that, but the Lord did it here. Isn't it odd what the Lord commended them for? What the Lord commended them for, our church world today would put you down for that. You say, what are you saying? Uh, uh, well, they didn't accept everything come down the pike. Uh, uh, the Bible said, the Lord said, uh, I notice how thou canst not bear them or the evil. Uh, uh, nowadays, you know, our time, uh, uh, if you were to say anything about against the evil, you're the bad guy, amen. Uh, I want you to understand uh, uh, that the Lord said, you've tried them that said they were apostles and they wasn't, amen. Uh, uh, why today they'd say, well, you're judging. Uh, uh, you don't judge somebody else's religion amen and what they're doing well the Lord commends them for it here uh, uh, the Lord said they thought they were they were saying they were apostles but they was not and they tried them uh, I think the Lord likes it when you try things amen uh, try the spirits uh, I think the Lord likes it when you uh, you know you ask somebody uh, why are you doing this or why are you saying this uh, uh, they were saying they were apostles uh, you say, well, how did they try them? I don't know. The apostles, you know, they had them sign gifts and they raised the dead and healed the sick and a lot of other things. And I guess maybe they just said, all right, you're an apostle. Let's go down here to the graveyard. And they went down there and he said, if you don't care, raise this dead person right here. Or maybe down to the funeral home. I don't know, maybe they said, let's go out to the nursing home a little while, out to the hospital, and if you got gifts of healing, heal this ward right here, and then we'll go to the next one, amen. Uh, uh, well, they couldn't raise a dead mosquito, and uh, they couldn't heal nothing, and they said, you're not apostles, you're liars, amen. Uh, uh, you see, uh, the Lord commended them for that. Uh, but the thing the Lord says here. Uh, he says, remember thou for from which thou art fallen. He said, thou hast left thy first love. They needed to remember not only the sender of the letter, they needed to remember not only the start of the church, but they needed to remember how far they had strayed away. The Bible said they left their first love. 
You know, when you start drifting or straying, it's so easy, you know, to not realize how far you've gone. And uh, I wish people would do this because, you know, when people miss church, in their mind, they think, you know, it's just once or twice. But it'd be, it'd be revealing if you just write down every time. And then at the end of the year, just look back over it. It would be revealing. Because it's like in a boat. You get in a boat and loosen the, uh, the rope, pull up the anchor, and that thing begins to drift. Next thing you know, you look up, you're a long ways from where you was. You say, how in the world did I ever get here? Uh, well, the church had strayed. They'd strayed. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine this morning having John or Peter or the Apostle Paul to be up here this morning? I mean, it's think about it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul, Matthew, Mark, or Luke? I, uh, walking into a lot of auditoriums this morning and look what's going on, seeing what's going on. Uh, uh, I think, uh, I think you know, they wouldn't believe it. Amen. Uh, uh, somebody said John Wesley would have a heart attack before he got past the second ashtray. Amen. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how far that we have drifted from God. Uh, the Lord says, Ephesus needed a remembering revival. Look at verse 5. He said, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. The Lord said Ephesus needed a repenting revival. Now you know we'd have an argument if we sit down and try to decide what kind of revival we'd need today. Uh, Some might think we'd need one this way and some might think we'd need one that way. Some might say we need a praising revival or a singing revival and others would say a preaching revival. Ephesus don't have to worry about that. The Lord tells them what kind they need. He said you need a repenting revival before anything else. Uh, Pray tell me whatever happened to 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. I never hear that no more. Used to, that was the rally cry for... Revival used to, that was the prescription. That's what you went by if you wanted to have a meeting, amen. Well, that's what the Lord goes by here with them. You see in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, The Lord said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. The first thing God does, you've got to get humble. We're living in a day when men are not humble. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3 uh, that perilous times would come and men would be bolsters and proud, amen. Uh, uh, People are proud in our kind of a day, uh, uh, but God says if you want to have a revival, He said get everybody together and He said humble yourself, amen. Uh, uh, Get humble, get a humbling revival. Everybody get humble, amen. Uh, uh, Tell their sins. Uh, uh, Get humble, come down to the altar. Get humble. I, I confess one to another. Amen. I, I get humble. Get humble. Get humble. Amen. That's what the Lord says. And then He said what? He said, humble yourselves. And then He said, pray and seek My face. Humbling. Praying. 
Okay? It don't start out backwards. The Lord, Sammy gives, I mean, it's not my thoughts. This is what the Lord said. This is the Lord's prescription for revival. He said, get humble. Start praying and seek my face. Start looking for God. But then he said, and here's where we lose it. Now we can get humble sometimes and we can pray. We can meet together and have some praying. But here's where we always lose it. He said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, watch it turn from your wicked ways. There's not only got to be a humbling and a praying, there's got to be a turning. Now you can get people to humble herself, you can get people to pray, but brother, try to get them to turn. That's where the thing always goes downhill, amen. Uh, People do not want to turn from the way they're going to God's way. That's why this nation will never have a revival. It's not going to turn. You say, you say in the local church can't have one? No, I didn't say that. Local church, not as many people. God can work with it, and you might be able to get the church to turn. Remember, it's first works. Uh, repent. Go back to doing what it was doing. Amen. So the Lord said that Ephesus needed a, a repenting revival. I think that'd be good, don't you? If we had a, a repenting revival, a turning revival. I've prayed, I've humbled myself. Okay, turn the TV off. Revival just broke. Okay, pray and turn the cell phone off. Revival's over. If I was calling on a fast today, I wouldn't tell you not to eat no hot dogs or hamburgers. I'd say fast from your cell phone. Turn it off for a week. Turn it off for a month. You see, if my people, which are called by my name, shall turn, turn out for door knocking. Turn, if my people, which are called by my name, will turn, make a turnaround in your life. Uh, that's why they, I tell you the best check, track on revival. Leonard Ravenhill's got a great book called Why No Revival. Uh, but Chick puts out a little track called Why No Revival. Uh, you say, what does it say? Same thing I'm saying this morning. Uh, uh, people are not going to turn from their wicked ways. But we need a repenting revival. Amen. It's hard to repent when you don't think you've done nothing wrong. Isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, when you start praying, you, Lord, forgive me of my sin, but you can't even think what it is to name it. But really, the Bible don't say, forgive me of my sin. In 1 John, it says, sins. It's more than one of them. Amen? So we need a repenting revival. And then look at this. Look at this. You're going to really like this part of the message. You say, why? It's the last one. 
And it said, he said, Ephesians or Revelations 2, 5, he said, repent and do thy first works. Or in other words, repent and return. Don't you think we need a remembering revival? Don't you think we need a repenting revival? And don't you think we need a returning revival? Uh, uh, that's what the Lord is saying here. He said to Ephesus, and you know that word Ephesus, you know what it means? It means love. What did the Lord charge them for? You've left your first love. Amen. Their name revealed who they were. The Lord said you need to remember, you need to repent, and you need to return. Now we can have a revival if that takes place. Amen. We need a returning revival. Jacob had one. We're at Genesis 35. God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make there an altar unto God that appeareth unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. He's saying you need to repent. You need to remember you need to return. So Jacob returned to Bethel. I love that first verse, arise and go up to Bethel. When I go out to people that have dropped out of church and come wavered, I, a lot of times I'll take a little piece of paper and I'll write on it and fold it up and hand it to them when I leave. And It says Genesis 35 and 1 and when they go open it up the Bible to look at it because most of them don't know what it is. It says arise and go to Bethel. Amen. That's what the Lord is telling Jacob to do here and he done it. And Jacob, he had a family revival. The best revivals they are is family revivals. The whole family gets revived up together. Gets renewed up with the Lord. Jacob said, we're going to have a family revival. That's good, amen. Most families need one. So Jacob said to his household and all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garment. So he said, you got to get clean first. And he said, be clean. That's where that repentant confession comes in. And he said, change your garments. Why? Well, some of them had on mini skirts, and short shorts, and halter tops, and and some of the men, you know, they had on muscle shirts with no muscle. They had on them Bermuda shorts. And Billy Mitchell said, to, Billy Mitchell said, the most pitiful thing there is in this world is an old man about 90 years old with a pair of Bermuda shorts on that looked like two chicken legs stuck in it with purple knots all over it, walking a poodle dog. So they, they changed their garment. What do you change your garment for? You don't have to change clothes to go to church. It don't matter. Just come on in from the beach. It don't matter. No, the Lord said, the Lord said, change your garments. Greg said Thursday night, uh, we took the trustees down to the lighthouse. And... Uh, these fellows are eating more every year. It's breaking me up. I don't know what was even talking about, but Greg said, Brother Rick, you know you got that reputation. I said, what reputation? He said, you got that reputation about 
uh, about how the women ought to dress and all like that. I, and I, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And Penny went, I'll never forget Penny going to get that loan up at the bank. And she got talking to the lady, and the lady got talking to her. And Penny asked her where she went to church. She said, where do you go to church? She said, I go down there at Bethel Baptist. She said, oh, that's where Rick Prophet pastors, ain't it? Penny said, yeah. She said, oh, that's where he makes everybody wear dresses. I've never made nobody wear a dress in my life. I've preached the Bible, but I've never turned anybody away. I've never slipped by the fact there's been I've seen a few come in the last few years with dresses on. I wish you had slacks on. But she said, Oh, that's over there where Rick Prophet pastors. He makes everybody wear a dress. She said, Our pastor just tells us to, uh, it's hot in the summertime. It's hot. Just wear your shorts or whatever you want to wear. And Penny with the wisdom of God, a word fitly spoken, like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Uh, Penny said, Penny said, our pastor just say, hey Greg, turn the air conditioning down. He said, go, go, go change your garments. So I turn the Bible, I'm just reading out of the Bible. And so, they arose and they went and verse 4 said, They gave unto Jacob all their strange gods. All their stuff, they gave it to Jacob that was in their hand and all their earrings that were in their ears. We'd have to have a bigger hole today. Because we got nose rings and eye rings and lip rings and belly button rings and ring-a-ding-ding, Amen. God said, just dig a hole and throw it in a hole. Amen. Uh, uh, that's what God said do. And uh, they're getting ready to have a revival. They're, they're repenting. They're getting rid of all this stuff between them and God. Uh, a lady, the other day I was preaching, a lady come up to me after service and she said, you against lady wearing makeup I said, no, matter of fact, I'm for it. See if you can find some. <laughs> but some things we, most things we make wrong, we make evil. Most things we make that way by our abuse of them. I don't think God be against you having a, a, a ring in this ear and a ring in that ear. But you say we abuse it. Don't you know them feel good? Can you imagine a runny nose? You try to blow it and it's shooting out the side and everywhere else. And someone said the last thing we need is another hole in our head. They said he buried him and they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people with him. And he built an altar there. And then the Bible said somebody died. You have revival, some things die. But look at verse 9. 
And God appeared to Jacob. That's revival, folks, when God appears to you. Naomi, she returned. Naomi didn't have a family revival. Naomi had a famine in revival. Verse 22 of chapter 1 said, So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. There it is. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Naomi returned back to Bethel and Naomi had a famine and ending revival. You know, sometimes God sends a famine in our life. Because he's trying to get her attention. He's trying to turn us around. God sent a famine down to Moab where she was. Got her attention. And she came back. And isn't it just like God that she came back at the time of barley harvest? Famine and over. Do you know a lot of times when you get back where you need to be with God, a lot of things that may have been going on in your life you didn't understand, a lot of times it's over. Because all it was was the Lord trying to get your attention. Let me give you one more and we'll, we'll stop. But the prodigal son, he had a revival down at the father's house. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to have a revival? He said, I will arise and go to my father's house. I put the house in there. He said, I will arise and go to my father's house. He went back and they had a revival down there. Why did they have that? Because he returned. Because he returned. I think we could have a revival. If we do a little remembering, a little repenting, a little returning, I think God might give us a revival just like He did down at Ephesus. What do you think? Amen. You know, revival, and I love them, and I'm not against them, and they certainly help. They certainly do good. But a revival is like the rain we got here. I think it's Monday night, just a flood of rain. And I come over here to church, and that, that drain up there, it was, it was stopped up because it washed all the cans and the sticks and the, and the junk and all of it down into that drain of course eventually went on food that's what a revival is that's a flash flood from God to wash all the junk out of your life and now you couldn't have that every day you say why well what was a blessing would turn in to be something else after a while when the creeks filled up and the houses got flooded and you couldn't have that every day but in the right portion it's a blessing but I'll tell you what you have every day. You just have that, that stream or that creek just running within the channel. That's your everyday church. Sometimes we need a revival to wash all the junk out of the church. But we're not going to stay at a high level like that all the time. That's going to go down and, and we're just going to run along as a channel. But we can run a lot better because all the junk's gone. See, John got saved the other day. And as a matter of fact, January 1, he got saved. And, uh, and I like it. He's been here every service, I think, except one real bad night weather-wise. 
But he's been here every service, and I'm, I like to see that. Amen. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Sheila sung that song, It Is No Secret, What God Can Do, What He's Done for Others, He'll Do for You. What God done for John, He'll Do for You Today. Amen. The Lord save you, and then the Lord will start cleaning you up a little bit at a time. He won't do it all at once. He'll, he'll get rid of all your sins all at once, but then little by little, hey, you're looking at 43 years of cleaning up, and I still got farther to go. Really, since I was 10 years old, the Lord's been trying to clean on me. And I still ain't there yet. And I won't be completely there till I get up there. So don't think today you've got to be perfect and you can't get saved because you can't be perfect. Nobody can be perfect. I visited a man yesterday in a nursing home yesterday evening. Somebody wanted me to go see him. I went and seen the man. Began to talk to him. Actually, I was sitting on the couch. You see what the Lord really told Ephesus here? He said, the problem is love. You get back to your love and all this other stuff be all right. Said, said the working, the labor, and everything you're doing, you're doing good, but you're not doing it for love. You're doing it because you got to. See, he talked a little bit about that this morning. As long as you're doing it because you got to, that's good. Thank God for duty, but we all do it out of love. Uh, my kids, they love me, and I, they respect me, and they. Uh, they come to church, and I appreciate that, but I don't want them to do it because they love me. I want them to do it because they love God. Amen. My wife, she comes because she's my wife. And she comes, she loves me. But I want her to come because she loves God. And sometimes we can get in a place in our life where we're doing it because we're expected to do it. We know others think we ought to do it. We know we ought to do it, but we're not doing it because we love Jesus. A little girl, seven-year-old. It was her daddy's birthday. And she uh, took a little paper and wrote on it and took a little piece of tape and taped it to her. Her daddy's coat. Her daddy went in there to get his coat on his birthday and he went in there and got it and there was that little note. said, Daddy, I love you. said, Daddy, said, you're the best daddy ever was. And said, Daddy, I want to give you something. And it's in the pocket, Daddy. When he reached in the pocket, it was a strawberry lollipop that had already been licked on for about two days and had the paper wrapped around it. But you see what she was saying? She said, Daddy, what I love better than anything is strawberry lollipops. So I'm giving you what I love the best, what's left of it. Now here's the the story. Everybody's always asked me, somebody asked me the other day, are you Scott's dad? I said, what's left of it? See, the best thing you've got is yourself. And I don't know what's left of it, but if you want to give God something out of love because you love Him, give Him what's left of yourself. Father, thank You, Lord, this morning for...